Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cinematic Underdogs. I'm your host, Jordan Puga. And I'm your other host, Paul Keelan. And today we are back with the Untold series. It's been a bit of a break, but I'm quite excited to get back to this pseudo true crime adjacent Netflix documentary series. I find every episode fascinating to various degrees, but but they're all they're all bangers in their own right. And so, you know, we've tackled the crimes and penalties episode about the Danbury trashers. We've done Malice at the Palace about Ron Artest. We had some guests talk about Marty Fish's breakdown in Breaking Point. And today we are doing another just riveting entry called Deal with the Devil, the story of Chrissy Martin. So we're not going to do any box office context this came out in 2021, in August, middle of the pandemic. We've already gone over these in the previous episodes. We're just going to jump straight in it. And right off the bat, you are our underdog resident expert in the boxing world. Mm-hmm. You know way more than I do about this, especially specifically UFC, but but just in general, I think boxing, you, you, you read it better. What impressed you the most about Christy Martin? Ooh, about the individual. Well, again, she's like the embodiment of just of what makes for me like combat sports, like you said, MMA, kickboxing, all that. Like just like the the ideal playing ground for the underdog story. It's like we, we mentioned, we talk about Rocky all the time on here. It's just that great breeding ground because of just like the environment, the fighters who thrive in that type of, you know, in that type of sport, that the brutality, you know, something that, that, you know, really requires a type of vigorousness and like competitiveness. You know, they come from environments where you have to survive really for the most part, right? And like she expresses in this, um, as most fighters do, like how combat sports or, you know, learning uh, martial arts, whatever to whatever degree, like, you know, helps, you know, center their lives and, you know, in many ways, save their lives. I keep them out of prison is usually a thing, which coincides very right into this one, right? Because there's always, you know, that prison element. And again, like I said, like, it's that gray area. It's one of the sports that it's talked about, but not necessarily, it's, it's like the unspoken thing, the connection between crime, um, that underbelly world and it producing great talent for the sport. Right. And that's, that's, that's that symbiotic relationship. Um, and then, like I said, it's that underdog story of coming out of that environment, either you going in the pin and coming out to be a fighter or avoiding all that and getting the skills to be a fighter. Um, it all leads up to those great, you know, stories and nicknames that play in those like little five minute reels before the fighters walk out. Right. That's one thing. If you ever watch a pay-per-view event, every fighter is a fucking underdog. You, you get two underdogs fighting each other. Right. Cause they both have these usually, right. There's also, you know, guys who are kind of come from, who are bred to, to, to fight. But, you know, then you get these great stories of underdog versus underdog, right? And you feel conflicted. So, um, and she fits that story perfectly because she is a pioneer of female boxing, right? And it's like you mentioned me, I'm more of a MMA dude post like, like 2001 on. Like we, we grew up mostly watching boxing on, on the neighborhood when that would be the pay-per-view people get. But like as UFC got popular, that kind of became the thing I, uh, MMA I switched over to. So I was more familiar with female MMA and like how hard it was for them to break in. Coming at it as a perspective, just similar like boxing being like, one day seeing it on the screen, like women get a fight, just like you'll see in this documentary being just like, awesome. Like these, these fights are incredible. So again, she's like a cool throwback for people who are familiar with like Ronda Rousey and her story, but she's like a real underdog. Oh, she's not like an Olympian athlete. She wasn't like bred for the sport. Her parents weren't, you know, combat sports athletes. Like, you know, she's like, I said, she's a real underdog. She comes from like a gritty background. So that's why when I think of her and like what makes her stand out, it is she's, she's like one of our realistic epitomes of the underdog story. Great point. I love that you brought up the nickname factor of a boxer, right? Because I think that her monikers, right, her nicknames throughout, it's the coal miner's daughter, right? 
Um, is, working is, class, right? Yeah, working class. It's the epitome of who she is. And it really lays down the nice metaphor for her character, uh, especially her dominant traits. Like she's tough as rocks, right? Um, mm-hmm. She's got that rags to riches element coming from a coal mining town in West Virginia, uh, you know, just like a rugged, small, like one street town. As she said her father, her grandfather, I think her great grandfather were all coal miners, right? Mm-hmm. They just live these really tough lives. And she completely embodies that. Um, I noticed throughout, like even on accident, perhaps they kept referring to her in terms that were associated with like rocks or sediment. It wouldn't be sediment, but like, like all these lithic connotations, mm-hmm. right? They, they, they said her, her chin was like granite. She had a granite chin, I believe it was mm-hmm. the phrase they use in boxing. Right. Yeah. And that was Jim, her trainer slash husband slash attempted murder. We'll get into that. I shouldn't have revealed it so soon because that's so great about this doc. It's the way they do reveal it like way late on. But to be fair, because we mentioned it's a combat sports doc, anyone who's familiar with combat sports, particularly, unfortunately, the female side of combat sports, you know, husband, trainer, female athlete. It's just, it's, it's a cliche at this point, unfortunately, for like, you know, you do a quick Google search. You'll see tons from on combat sports. It's really weirdly fascinating. Uh, but like you said, like when, when I saw that, I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. We know why he's here, but yeah, sorry to cut in there. No, no, no worries. I mean, it's definitely a cliche by now for all the wrong reasons, right? And yeah, it's like it, with the NFL, the offseason, like we're in the offseason right now, right? We're waiting for some news besides Deshaun Watson suspension stuff. That's a few seasons old scandal, right? We're waiting for that one for, for this season. Uh, it'll, it'll come, unfortunately, yeah. it'll come. The, yeah, so he, he lives up to that and beyond some in this, which I can't wait to get into. One of the things that, I was embarrassed by being slow to pick up on was that in the whole documentary, right? He's speaking in his scrubs, basically is like, is what, what do they call a prison? Oh, he's, he's in this spot. correctional facility. Yeah, like yeah. they used to call them jumpsuits, but they're not jumpsuits yeah. anymore. Okay. Like they're right. They do look like scrubs, but it's your, you know, yeah. it's your correctional facility, you know, men's calling you so sometimes to call them wherever you're at, but you know, it's when you're actually locked up in federal prison, what you're wearing. And like, you bring up this good point. They do actually look like scrubs now. I didn't think about that. He's just getting his face into the mirror in the background. Like, this fool's in prison. <laughs> but like, that's a very good point that now they look like, you know, the people who help us when we get our teeth cleaned. Yeah, but obviously this dude isn't going to end up as a doctor once you get 20 <laughs> minutes into it. And so the fact yeah. that it never clicked in my mind till like maybe five minutes before the reveal, it just shows, I don't know, how riveting it maybe the documentary is it's very enthralling and you're not even focused on that uh but then you start to notice oh there's a bunch of dudes in like white garb in the background behind the window walking around he's definitely in the correction facility throughout the whole interview it's 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 just like hidden in plain view i think that that's what makes it even more just mind-boggling what once you come to learn that yes he is indeed in jail and for a long time and then you start to get the details of that and before we get too much further i want to still go with this uh lithic connotation i was bringing up because you know he talks about her granite chin and, and that's like the main quality he sees in her right she's very obstinate she's very obdurate she she's like immovable and he says you could take a sledgehammer and nothing would happen to your face and they're showing those clips right and she was pretty impervious these gnarly punches right Mm -hmm. um and i and i love that and i love the fact that she's not only this rags to riches story but kind of a fluke boxer in the sense that she joined a competition kind of on a joke, just on a whim, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was a a local or school thing that she jumped in on. Do you remember the details of that? I just remember her like being- No, 
I don't remember the exact people. It was one of those classic, like I would say, like those old school eighties, nineties, when like you know UFC and kickboxing was kind of popular. You can go to find those regional shows, and this is a common story of people just drop out, right? Fighters get injured, scared, whatever it is, people drop out and they, you know, per just be like, hey, anyone want to fight? There's so many fighters from cross combat sports who get that start. It's like this, this great anecdote. But like I said, someone who just took a chance, got in there and ended up having the skills to do it, right? Yeah. She got her first knockout, I believe they said, was she knocked him out in one punch, I think, yeah. right? I, um, I actually believe it too, because everyone, there's that also the level of tall tale when we talk about like sports and like one outspinship, especially combat sports, like with these records off the record, like your unofficial record, right? But like again, when you actually watch her box and you see her chin, I probably do believe she probably took a couple shots on like the first one she hit was probably good, right? Because like you see the way she puts people out, like she does, she doesn't like you know tuck the chin or anything, like she has a solid head, like she, like you said, like he says, like some people are built for combat sports or just built for sports in general, like certain sports, like you say, right? You have to have that certain build, that frame. Um, in boxing, you have to have a chin. Otherwise, it'll eventually get exposed, right? Otherwise, you have to have really, really good footwork, which we find out she later, she actually does, right? Yeah. Which I, I was just the other thing about her being like an underdog. I thought that was, for me, was a cool revealing point because uh, we'll get into that vital later, but there's a point where, like, again, we find out she's more than just the gritty working class, you know, doesn't necessarily have, you know, the talent of the sweet science, right? But she just has the toughness, right? But then we later, we find out she does develop the skills throughout her career to surprise. Like, she's like, she is, she's a pioneer. She elevates the sport. Yeah, and she's slightly a pioneer by chance, right? She's definitely a determined individual, right? When she's steadfast or focused or determined to do something, there's nothing stopping her. You can see that in this movie. And and no one's going to like bad dog her or intimidate her in any way. And I can't wait to get into like the courtroom scene where she just stares down her former trainer in the eye and calls him a motherfucker to his face. Just like you don't get more bold and impudent than that. And in a good way, like she was rightfully sticking up to her, to her abuser, but there, this is a person of immense tenacity and will, but at the same time, right? Like her, her story is odd. Like this flu competition, she knocks the opponent out in a single punch, right? Her father says that she was looking around the ring for the next like deflection yeah, or punch ahead. and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find the opponent. And she was already lying on the ground. I love that. Right. Everyone in this doc is great. Yeah. The color commentary, Jim. Uh -huh. <laughs> terrifying individual but he's great in terms of charisma like in, in terms of his eccentricities his forthrightness well, there's two gyms actually because right we have jim martin who's her trainer slash attempted murder we just get that into that because it's like yeah. a two two yeah. part like two underdog story it was like <laughs> right she, she's a survivor of a horrific situation too which we'll get into in a bit but there's also like jimmy short dog malone right and he's like her little he's like her sparring partner like a dude who's her size right he's kind of been there her whole career as someone to train with um, her dad, Johnny Salter, Joy Salters are in it. And they, they're really interesting, right? Because they actually are very um, open, just like revealing with, you know, the details, horrific details of, you know, their daughter's trauma and, you know, kind of like where they failed with it. And, you know, that we'll, we'll talk about that too. Uh, but this one was really fascinating, like you said, for the surrounding characters, I thought, because this wasn't like a team sport, right? But like boxing is a team sport, right? You got to see the people in the ring, but like for them to get there, it's, you know, the coach, the trainers, the sparring partners, the people waking you up every morning to make sure you're running and staying on weight. Like it is a team thing. Like the families are feeding you and, you know, holding down at home. Like, you know, that's, that's one thing I like about this. Like you said, the, the side character in this really stand out. And then they, they, you know, when they come back and in, in her lowest point, it's a, this one I felt was one of the more endearing of the untold series because it's covers such dark territory and has such highs and lows. Um, but you really get that sense of the extended family right beyond her family which i think is another big draw for like again the underdog story what why people are drawn to the boxing gym or to the gym right or to where you, where you learn to fight 
you know, it's initially to learn, you know, usually to fight against a bully, defend yourself, whatever. But it's like the family and the people there that keep you there, right? Which is like, again, yeah, it's a transcendent of all sports, right? With that team environment. Boxing, people don't always think about that, right? They tend to highlight the star. Um, but this one really punctuates, you know, the the pieces of the machine behind behind the athlete. Yeah, you get a lot of insight from her family, from her sparring partner, from her trainer, especially. Uh, and what's fascinating, right, is I don't doubt that Jim Martin, the person we've brought up a lot, right, her husband slash trainer for years, was a key factor in her success, right? Um, mm-hmm. Both behind the scenes, like kind of the archetype of the the manager slash agent, you know, like if this yeah. was a musical biopic, um, if this was Elvis, he'd be the Tom Hanks figure. Um, who kind of orchestrated Elvis's career, you know, all of them have that figure who's kind of evil and in control of the money, taking all the phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. So a pivotal part, but at the same time, it is quite hilarious how megalomaniacal he is, right? His megalomania is out of control. So later on, he literally calls her his Rembrandt (laughs) and then, and then says that, Whenever she fights, he sees his work, his creation, right? Like uh, there's something about his... Mind you, he's saying this behind bars. Yes. After she trying faced. to murder her. Yes. <laughs> no less, right? Um, I love that. I think the top review on Letterboxd, it was by a user called Katie. She, uh, she wrote, behind every trailblazing woman, there's some shitty man taking all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> Completely apt for this documentary, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it couldn't be more apropos. But I at once recognized that yes key figure without jim maybe christy would have become the sensation she was but also without don king right also without her sparring partner even maybe also just without pure luck like the fact that she broke her nose on that first major card right when she fought the tyson fight in vegas at the mgm ground i believe in 99 which is just such a time and a place i love that aspect of it because that's like the height of boxing actually for me to this day it was like Mm. the tyson years late 90s early odds mgm grand saturday night pay-per-view showings like our neighborhood we all know we've talked about those before like carlos's Ray's Mm. family ordering those right just get the vibe and you know she's like a what a 3 p.m card like a early Mm. early one of the early prelims right yeah no one cares about but but she gets her nose bloodied and broken and just never relents the whole fight and just gives her opponent a beatdown and becomes an overnight sensation. You know, she ends up on every late night talk show making jokes once again about her granite chin with uh, the famous big chin. Um, yeah, Jay Leno. Jay Leno. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is really funny. Um, she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, which is remarkable just how quickly she rose because I mean, it's not easy to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Like how yeah. many athletes are there in the professional ranks? That says something, especially from someone who is like boxing before this, like a year or two prior to the big break for like 30 bucks a fight, they said. So <laughs> just imagine that shift. That was unbelievable. That meteoric rise it's fun. And so it has, like you said, all of the ups and downs. This is a, such a roller coaster of a documentary. Um, and it definitely has one of the biggest falls though. I've, I've, I've yet to see. So, you know, you get that meteoric rise, you get, you get the heyday of boxing and then it turns into a crime drama. But before we get there, I want to hear, I don't want to jump too far ahead because I know you love this period piece too. And just like that, that nineties, like, what did you really take from her, from her ascent into the like the pantheon and into like just the as you said 
I wish there was another word, but she literally created woman boxing for the most part on a mainstream scale. Like it was there, of course. Yeah, but like I'll start there because that's like you point out. There's a good thing about this documentary, but it also does is like the fatal flaw of combat sports mythology is that mm-hmm. there's always two fighters in the ring, a winner and a loser. And to have a great fight, you have to have both people willing to fight, not play points. Right. Like they said, this is a this was more of a like a street fight than a boxing match. The one that made it popular. Right. It's the same as like Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner that put UFC on the map. Right. It's just wasn't the most technical fight. It wasn't like if you're a purist, it wasn't what you what you, you know, are drawn in for. But it's the most like visceral fight style that every person can at least relate to or at least can't get their eye away from. So there's there, there's that. But I do like how this documentary sprinkles in like Lisa um, Halloween. Yeah. Halloween, right. Who's uh, her one of her bigger opponents later down the line um, and eventually becomes her wife. Because we got to talk about that. Right. This whole time. Because that's everything about this time. I like I always remember her showing up on the on the talk shows because I didn't see her. I watched that Kyson car, but I don't remember seeing her fight. But I do remember the talk shows because like like we talked about this, like Mama Pooga always had Oprah and like the 4 p.m. lineup when we came home from school, like two hours or it was her TV time. Then, you know, you could play our games. So, you know, we'd see her her interviews. Right. And my mom was like, you guys see that? You just watch that fight. That was probably the best one. I remember talking about that. But like you said, but anyways, again, to the point that there's always two fighter sets. So I like how they do like sprinkle in like, you know, how Lisa was like realistically like her most talented opponent. Um, just to give context for MMA fans, she was like the Chris Cyborg to Ronda Rousey. Realistically, Lisa was probably the more talented boxer, like stylistically, and actually had more boxing skill up until we find out that, that Chrissy can, could actually do more than brawl, right? Which is like, it's, it's huge because like, it, like it's, it's, that, it's that twist of the moment. Lisa was like Cyborg, someone who's on the other end of the spectrum. And boxing's very like super linear. Your way up is you fight trash cans, especially if you're someone big like that, right? You're making money like you're not supposed to lose. And especially on the women's scale, to be blunt, and that time there's no like talent pool driving it, right? She's going to win until like you can really set that fight. But she had to win like a bunch of fights before you can finally push like, all right, you have to fight the other girl who's really killing it, right? It's that same dynamic, except this one happened. But again, it's like that. I, I bring up Cyborg and Rousey because at this time, she's in the closet and she is just saying the most homophobic shit to her. And that's one of the reasons Cyborg and Rousey didn't happen for fans, you know, because Cyborg, to put it bluntly, wasn't pretty the way Rousey was. And when, you're, when your own fight promoter, Dana White, calls you ugly and says the most hateful sexist things to you, you're never going to get the big fight, right? This is the other hand where your promoter's engaging it in a time where like it's accepted and like that's you sell the fight that way, right? No one knows she's actually in the closet, which is the other crazy thing about this, right? I find that like interesting, but it's, it's again, it's a dynamics I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring up here. Uh, really haven't changed to some degree in the way they sell a fight. Again, the controversy, like, you know, go the lowest to the low. But again, the fact that this fight happens, everything I was saying, though, and that she state raises the bar is just a cool setup, right? It is one of the reasons like combat sports is fun. There's a sickness to it. But when you watch it, like objectively, like you, the build is usually really cringy for some people. Some people really get into it. Like Chrissy's a great example. She'll she'll do the lowest of the low, whatever it takes, you know, to sell the tickets. And kudos to her, right? Because in a way, that is really what it's all about. You have to have that heel. Um, and you also always have to, like I said, there has to be two people in there, but you also have someone like Lisa who can be the you know, our, our baby face for wrestling terms, right. To really sell that fight. But again, the, the, the compelling part about this documentary is all the underlining qualities of her being in the closet, actually being gay, worried that people are going to make the connection and out her, but her really like, again, balls to wall sticking to the character, right. It's this weird, like people praise Conor McGregor and Kobe Covington as like these great like characters. This is WrestleMania to the next level with real stakes, like real psychological impact. Right fucking next level this is a whole nother level of like getting into like the heel and again she actually rises to the occasion though and that's the thing i love about combat sports it brings you to like the worst of the worst it makes you hate them 
But then when they perform to a level you can't disagree with, right? She can box. She beat the person she wasn't supposed to beat. Like at the end, you can't help but clap. And I always like that about boxing. Like, like even the like, like just just this weekend, just I'm going on here, like with the UFC card, Max Holloway and Volkanovski. I'm a huge Max Holloway fan. He took an ass whooping this this weekend. But in the whole time, I, I you know you want to see I want to see Max come back. But at the end, I was so impressed by Volkanovski putting a closer on the trilogy. You know, he won the arena. Right, everyone's there rooting for Max. Max is just a fan favorite, right? You know, like like Christie at that time, uh, and you know, and Volkanovski is this dude who really needed respect. And he, you know, he earned their respect. It took him three times, but each time everyone clapped at the end of those victories. So, like again, it, it has that element. But I just love how punctuated it is because it really, like I said, it really shows the outside characters. They do get their their due. They don't get like you know the praise that like you know the adoration they deserve. But again, it really highlights a big thing with box. Like you said, there's the hero who gets the praise because they won the fight. Uh, the competitor who lost, you know, they're connected to that fight and name and really what happened, but they don't get that praise. And then both of them end up fucking broke as shit, right? And that's the other thing that this documentary doesn't cover. But it's the other compelling about, about, about boxing and combat sports, that's where we get to Don King, is where the fuck does all the money go? And that's to me, was it like when, when we're tracing, you know, Christy Martin's, you know, boxing career and like the drama, it has everything that I like about boxing from the social media shit about pay to the shit talking about the characters to the behind the scenes and some of that shit talking have way more implications than what, you, what you're getting right. It was so fascinating. Like I really think it was one of the best untold ones that we went through because again, it really hits all the dots of why boxing again is like both this chess match with soap opera, right? And that's why it's, it's kind of the fun of it, right? It's a, it's a chess match with soap opera for that grungy, gritty crowd. Yeah, because they got to sell tickets, right? They have to get the butts in the seats as they say, in quote, at one point in this film. And yeah. you can't beat that 80 million viewership she got for the for the Tyson card. But for the most part, that's going to decline no matter what, even if she is a flash in the pan. So she's got to keep the hype going. She's got to play the heel. It's just hilariously ironic that she ends up, you know, being this pseudo traditionalist wife. Right. <clears throat> partially the creation of Jim. Right. Because like he like made her get finger like her fingernails done and wanted her to be like this perfect housewife. They said <clears throat> and he definitely controlled her because. Even in some of these candid late night show interviews, they have clips of her kind of screaming for help on live TV. I found the dynamics of their relationship absolutely fascinating, right? He, he definitely was this master manipulator. I think that's verbatim what she described him as many times in this, right? Mm-hmm. But she also said he was a tough guy. And she, she's telling uh, one late night host that their identities had become intertwined and that he, he was her trainer, her manager, her husband, and her 24-hour-a-day boss. And awkwardly, it probably was Jay Leno or, or maybe it was someone else, giggled, which is funny, kind of like deflected. But I guess it could be played for laughs. But once you see the behind-the-scenes aspects, right? This is not like hyperbole. This is like yeah. really what's going on. This, this is a person who is controlling every aspect of her life. Um, another thing I found absolutely remarkable was that despite the fact that Jim was so, first of all, old seeming, right? He's like 25 years her senior. Dude, he's like older than her dad, her dad said. <laughs> he's like, he's older than me. Yeah. And despite the fact that she seems almost unstoppable until the Layla Ali fight, they get in a bit of an argument and both put on gloves in the ring and he knocks her out, which that was stunning for me. Actually, I did not see that coming. So he is a trainer who knows his stuff. That, that was one thing that told me like, okay, he knows 
had a box himself, like mm. this weird dude, you know, with a bad comb over, just <laughs> <laughs> terribly dyed hair, just like really trashy, cheesy uh, guy who owns a local boxing company slash, you know, ring actually does know his stuff. You know what I mean? He is like uneducated and illiterate and full of himself as he is like that. That gave me a sense that, okay, he's legit that display, right? That showmanship also kind of nicely parallels and nicely, not in a sense that like, I approve of it, but nicely in the sense of like, it shows the the contours and shades of their really dark relationship in a very lurid and clear way. Yeah. Right. Uh, the fact that, like direct way. Cause like, mm-hmm. again, that's the other parallel, like the reality of um, like you said, simulating fights and stuff like that. Like, and that's, that's the thing. Like, and he does it, like when he does it, it's a completely like power move. And like, even the way he says it, he says it from a section of joy. Like he describes the first time she showed up, he was basically just gonna have everyone like spar with her, just try to like rib shot her, basically try to punch her in the liver until she leaves. Right. So everyone's just gonna try to body shot her and like get get rid of her quick, which is like it's a terrible thing, but also like some of these old school gyms and back in the day, they used to do that to like just dudes who'd show up there to make their point, right? To establish, right? This is like before like we, we talked about CT and all that shit. Like, this is like in the 80s, like going into the 90s. Like these dudes is like going there and just like box, like hit each other over and over in the head, knock each other out, like simulate fights, like to the degree, like it's only the last like 10 years in combat sports where people are like, we shouldn't knock each other out when we train. And there's still people who really fight against that, right? Because they believe like to fight in a fight, you really have to always go hard, right? So there's two schools of thought now, whereas it used to always be one, just go grind to the wall. Like you said, iron uh, sharpens iron, you know, stone grinding stone, those metaphors used to be the, the philosophy. And that's where you get into that weird borderline like ethics where it's like, he's saying like, you know, that's what we used to do and it's okay. But he's doing it from a position, like you said, of just weird manipulator, complete power trip. Like, again, yeah, it's her coach, someone who's never knocked her out in however many years, right? So I'm just guessing they weren't quite as balls to the wall with the coaching, sparring, stuff like that, right? And then to knock her out, it's a cheap shot, right? It's the same thing as when you're sparring, there's a code, like you don't knock out your sparring partner, right? That's a, that's the thing, right? Especially if your sparring partner is trying to get ready for a big fight. Like, that's the code. It's just like bottom line, you don't knock out the money fighter. It's looked down on. And so again, like, again, that's coming from the, that's coming from the, the dude who's trying to make money off of her, right? So it's a complete dick move. It's a complete like power trip shit. And it's like, yeah, it's breaking like the code, which is the other worst thing about it. Cause he's trying to disguise it. Like, as again, as that whole, like teaching a lesson, uh, establishing dominance, like, you know, like, like, you know, the coach schooling the student is what he's trying to disguise it as. And for him, it's not right. And I understand in other dynamics, it probably would be totally excusable at that time, but he's just, you know, using it to his own personal gain. The, the documentary does a great job of really like highlighting again the dynamics of like how how it was acceptable at the time like you said even with jane leto and stuff like that how it was like just the culture and just like the sport itself accepts that and how he just like deviously and wants you to see like he got he got one on her that way just like the no. worst fucking thing about the documentary he's such a piece of shit like oh he is he's so awful but he's also so candid and forthright <laughs> that it's spellbinding almost to like listen to him and to see him uh, have almost zero remorse for anything he has ever done and a zero desire to even equivocate. He does a little bit in his defense later on um, when you get into court, try to play the uh, defense card, right? Saying that like he was quote unquote attacked. We'll get into the nitty gritty of that in a second. But for the most part, he utterly reveals all of his tactics, right? And he is never not a tyrant towards her and anytime she tries to show any autonomy or independence right he he turns into like every sociopathic figure like he's a stalker at one point right (laughs) right he 
follows her and her new love interest, um, some childhood basketball teammate, her lesbian friend to like a motel, right? And creepily calls her and <laughs> tells her what she's wearing. You know, when he knocked her out, tells the camera, I took the cockiness straight out of her. Like yeah. he's cocky himself about it, right? He's bragging about it. He very mm, smarmily and with sort of double entendre says that he allowed uh, Chrissy uh, to take a beating from Ali, right? Layla Ali, because what's the trainer supposed to do, right? Um, he, he's not supposed to think of her as his wife in the in the ring, right? But we're getting the other commentary that any other trainer would have like a fiduciary duty to go help, you know, yeah. their, yeah. Their Especially fighter. in boxing, it's a big deal because like in boxing, it's acceptable to throw in the towel. And like, that's the thing in mixed martial arts, like that's a movement now is people trying to get corners thrown in the towel more. Um, people in the MMA, it's like a shame. It's really a shame to throw in the towel. But like you said, it's also like, it's the duty of the trainer. And then he even says he wanted her to like rematch Layla Ali. If you've seen that fight, it's like, that's like, it, it makes no sense. It makes no way. sense why you'd want to like your fighter wife, right? To go into this, this, you know, what was essentially was a huge mismatch going into it anyways. It was a money fight. Yeah. And the, the thing that really told me so much, right, is that her own take on all these experiences is almost equally hilarious. I have nothing but respect for her, right? But she's also very candidly hypocritical, right? So she tells, in retrospect, the camera that she wishes he threw in the towel, right? To save her face, right? Because yeah. she didn't want to take a knee. It was the most harrowing 10 seconds of her life, she says, right? Because for all the right reasons, right? A fighter, she has a very stalwart ego and sense of self and pride, right? And so it was just utterly demeaning to have to give up. Later though, right? When she has her one return fight where she's already been through hell, right? We've already seen the whole fallout between her and Jim. She has a new trainer. She wants to prove him wrong. She wants to get that 50th uh, win. She goes in the ring and this time she breaks her hand. Mm -hmm. And as we learn, right? To go on with the perfect full circle of this metaphor of her as a rock, right? She says her hand turns to sand, right? The bones literally pulverize by the end. And she is unwilling to leave the ring pretty much. And the physician stops, stops the fight with 50 seconds left. And there's good footage of her just pleading with, you know, the, the ringside doctor yeah. to, to let her continue. And I love her quote. It's probably the funniest quote in the whole thing. When she, when she uh, says that a month before she had given a speech on why it's the physician's responsibility <laughs> to step in and be the conscience for a fighter when the fighter doesn't know what's best for themselves. <laughs> And then with perfect punchline, without any care for the contradictory nature, she says, I wasn't talking about my fucking self. Yeah. <laughs> so she gave this speech, right? About like, you know, the the moral obligation to to look out for fighters because their ego and their pride are so strong and they get so, you know, too messy and swollen in the ring with, with nope. a sense of like power that they can't see what's best for their health and well-being. And then she just totally rips that apart. And that was the funniest line in the whole oh, thing yeah. to me. It also speaks to her character because, like, it is like it is every fighter now. Because, like, it's funny that he's like, uh, with the UFC, they have so many fighters who are analysts now and they actually still fight. And so they criticize other fighters, like, man, their corner shit is through in the tell that time. And then they find themselves, unfortunately, in the same situation in their next fight. And when they get quoted, they're like, I wasn't talking about that. It's my fight. No, I, I could have still gone. Right. It's that, it's that unfortunate hypocrisy. But, like, you, you also want to see that. It is a weird thing. As a fan, you kind of want to see them have that weird, like, focus of, like, no, I could have won. Like, I still want to do this. 
Yes, absolutely. And so we brought up the Layla Ali fight, right? And she loses that. And that's when we get a really quick downward spiral. And it gets really interesting really quick. So we learned that they both, Jim and Chrissy, get addicted to coke. And he starts to become a paranoid madman, right? Starts video recording everything that's going on in their property. They really intriguingly detail how like their their habit, their addiction started off as like a Saturday, Sunday, weekend uh, escapade right turned into friday saturday sunday turning into tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday <laughs> and then it became every day and every second right and then he uses that it's bait for her right she's training in the gym he's basically feeding it to her like candy to keep her going mm-hmm. uh trying to really use this narcotic as a pavlovian substance right very much so which is very indicative of how he always kind of treated her but that that segment gets utterly fascinating and dark very quickly. And we've alluded to it many, many times, but they've married and their marriage has also become a sort of stick, right? It's become part of their whole, their whole gimmick, their identity, which adds another element to this, right? Which is also why the late night show hosts probably laughed off her comments earlier, right? Because they've sold themselves as this cute trainer boxer marital duo, right? They're like inseparable in the public side. Jane of, uh, of boxing. Yeah, so they're like home makeover shows, <laughs> or like Sunny and Cher or something, Diana, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. They're a dynamic duo, and now rich, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So they they come from a world that maybe doesn't know what to do once you gain sudden affluence, right? He buys, I think, his the ring from Kmart. <laughs> they said. Yeah, that's how they initially did yeah. it. Yeah, right. And now they're blinged out. Um, they're not crazy rich, but they're rich enough to like uh, indulge their their worse proclivities right they're their worst halves and so you can see that she's taken too much abuse from him over the years and she starts to just exert her will right and her desire to leave him her desire to pursue this fling that she rekindles over facebook with a former closet flame right we brought about this we brought up already the stalker incident where he follows them um, and she's doing it brazenly right she's not hiding the fact that she's basically cheating yeah. on him and that she's over the marriage because oh, he she, won't says let she her knows up. he's listening on her conversations recording everything like he's basically like the nsa and so right. she kind of just stopped giving a fuck pretty much exactly she just took an attitude of you know i'll, I'll be me he, yeah. he could try to control me and i'm just I'm over it. So there's a sense of entrapment and a sense of an unwillingness to be entrapped. And so of course they're like accelerating right mm-hmm. to this collision. And I mean, you have the family dynamics in which her mom, I think mommy sis, I believe is her name. Her name's Joyce. Joyce. Okay. But she has a nickname too. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but she's very orthodox. She's very small town, West Virginia minded. So she basically takes Jim's side on everything because I think she really just sees traditional marital values, right? The husband, wife, the male, female, and does mm-hmm. not like the idea of this sapphic romance, like this lesbian affair. That's yeah. my read of it, right? And so like she's willing to turn a blind eye to the craziest mm-hmm. stuff from her daughter of of how she's being tracked and recorded and abused. Oh, yeah. It's on and on. And so you have that. You have her dad who I think is more not ambivalent. Like he definitely, I think it's protective of her, but he didn't quite know what to do. Maybe he wasn't always yeah. in the loop. Actually, he says like the one of the most like important things he's like, everyone has to make their own choices. And like, what can you do? Because like you said, like, even though mom sides with Jim, Christy, even though we have the end of the documentary, everything we're going to get into continually always stayed in that position, no matter what. Right. And like the father acknowledges that like, there's a, there's a degree of power and a degree of 
like accepting it too on her on her part on uh, Christie's part. So yeah. I, I, the baller is really interesting. He has some very candid moments. I do I do remember that quote where he kind of just gets very candid. He's like, well, what can you do about it? These are grown right. people doing their own thing. They're their own brand, and when you tell them, they don't listen. <laughs> I think is essentially yeah. what he's saying. <laughs> like you know, it's a very it's a very poignant but like understated concept I think today of actual individualism and the way roles actually play out. Yeah, and you know, his daughter is a strong adult woman, but then there's also I think a degree of contrition in him, which comes out in the fact that when the major blow up happens, when when the incident that has been alluded to a million times before occurs, and Christy comes home. Jim is furious, sharpens a knife as she's taking a nap, goes into the room. She's on the phone with her her now Sherry, her girlfriend, and she basically dismisses him while on the phone, right? It says something very dismissive, and it just flips the switch in his, his head. We get a secondhand sort of recounting of it from Sherry, who's on the other line of the phone, just saying it would completely silent and then they have what sounds like a 30 minute tussle almost like on and off of like if they both get stabbed in various ways definitely chrissy gets the brunt of it right but but she gets like her abdomen stabbed up because basically according to her account she's laying there on the bed taking a nap essentially yourself right then hangs up the phone then the dude just stabs her in the stomach like several times um Mm -hmm. he's cut her in the breast and stuff and the armpit if i remember right Mm -hmm. like huge puncture wounds um but she like she said she was able to grab the knife if i remember right and all that stuff so like you said it was a huge tussle where like you know really she was like she was fighting for her life and like she, she brings up the point like it wasn't until he actually cut himself on the knife that he stopped to go like literally fix his own wound where she was able to like get a second wind if i recall is how she put it right yeah she was on the floor gurgling like uh yeah. she, she she could hear the blood in her lungs and so she's freaking out and then i think like they get in another sort of fight and he bangs her head on the dresser or that could have been slightly before it's a little murky in, in the details and the chronology of it all but i mean it's it's pure insanity right it's a nightmare in this house like utter hell and then like sum it up she's basically got stabbed bludgeoned and shot at point that's blank the with her own gun yeah right and as we have as you can surmise what we've talked about uh she survives all this right i'll let you continue that <laughs> with her own gun and with a pink gun which i just love that that crazy detail right but her but her own um you know weapon is used against her and then that is a few minutes before he takes a shower and then she books it goes to the middle of the street the first car doesn't stop the second car i forget the person's name but she calls the individual her angel takes her to the hospital rest of the hospital she's basically bleeding out she survives because she's crazy but she comes out and has a stroke when she's done with surgery <laughs> right so add that to the list of injuries and health conditions and then she's back fighting the day later practicing in the gym just to prove jim wrong um what i wanted to say before we we segued and gave the details of this crazy incident which you should watch the doc yourself to really yeah, for sure <laughs> get the resonance of it we didn't need to spell it out even as we did because they do a better job than we did but but what but i found interesting was her father was like hunting uh, jim down at this point and then later mm-hmm. says that the second Jim walks out of jail, if he's ever alive, which obviously is not going to happen because Jim wouldn't leave jail until he was 92. And I'm guessing her father's a little older than Jim. So, I mean, it could happen. I think Jim's older than the dad. He said. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's 25 years older. They're about the same age. They're about contemporaries. Um, But anyways, I don't think he's going to be 93 and walk straight to the jail and and kill him, but maybe he will, but that's what he says to do. But, but for me, those phrases, those comments by the dad shows that he felt like he dropped the ball, that he does feel like, yes, he has this line that she's her own adult individual, but then he also feels like he his fatherly 
duty was not fulfilled mm-hmm. in a way. I, I just read that between the lines. I intuited that from his really aggressive shift towards yeah. Jim. Especially the way they like that's basically like his last line in the doc, too. Yeah. And uh there's there's tons of intimations that he he regrets like his passivity and the whole brewing tension uh that led to this fallout. But anyways, this is absolutely one of the most insane docs you, you could imagine. After all this, right? Um, when she goes back to that fight and she she gets disqualified because she has a broken hand, she has Jordan already mentioned one of the one of the most poignant yet bizarre love romantic twists that people love online. So a letterbox like every review is just just celebratory of it, which because it is just like what really this yeah. is so hilarious, right? I think that the second to top letterbox review was uh, by Maria Rodriguez, and she said enemies to lover lesbian boxers all caps by the way. Are you fucking kidding me? This has to be the best thing to ever happen. Like ever, like 27 exclamation points, all caps again. So, I mean, people love this very bizarre fairy tale story. You know, they might not be together in five years knowing how like (laughs) staunch (laughs) I think that they both seem to be, but who knows? Hopefully they will be. Um, But that was a funny element. But yeah, this has everything. It's got Tris and attempted murder and rags and riches and all Don all King. the yeah don king in there. Pops, pops in here like yeah pomeranians right she shows up a little dog to give that detail in the beginning <laughs> just to show how she was like a little more i don't know she i don't can't imagine her ever being dainty or whatever but yeah like a, a, little a little more too, a little innocent right yeah a little innocent a little more feminine um before she became you know this tour de force in the ring. But anyways, uh, we chatted it up really well. And I'll let you add anything else you want while you give it your uh, final seal of either approval or not. So do you consider this an underdog or overrated? Yeah, I think that last letterbox would be really punctuated everything that's really good about this documentary. Um, so I, yeah, I think I'm pretty clear on this one already. If you can't tell by my tone so far. Yeah, this one is an underdog. I think this is probably my favorite one. I think of the untold series this was just an interesting story again really informative again it's, it's a cool thing about documentary right it does the thing where it just informs you cool information of a sport the history of it and has that like you said the crime element there's so many angles to it um yeah i, I thought this was easily the most entertaining of the, of the untold series so absolute underdog for me what about you man same uh very much an underdog story and under told story too which i love it because it really is untold i did not know about christy martin and i love how many really famous figures are in this right you get a tyson as a very seldom appearance as a talking head actually like they got him on camera yeah you get don king story which we which we referenced right but that was a huge moment where they go to his office and he takes her on and promotes the hell out of her um, and basically breaks her to like mainstream. And you get George Foreman in one scene. I love that where he says, like in the beginning of the fight, this little girl has no chance. And like by the third round, he was like, this little girl's gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> Which right. I again, if you anyone who's watched Box has complete George Foreman like commentary right there. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe that in a nutshell is my take, right? Like it's a true underdog gem. That shift of his of his perception in the matter of two rounds says it all. So yeah, this is a winner so much fun very fitting i think actually with the other untold ones we've covered thus far they're all very unique but they're all kind of about these really marginal stories filled with eclectic characters who have crime-ridden 
violent side stories. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, whether it's the mafia or mental health issues or uh, a violent brawl that turned into like uh, multi-month or year suspensions, you know, these are all <laughs> filled with blasphemous incidents. Oh, and, yeah. It's and great. Stuff, just like yeah. the, the idea of getting paid under the table. Right, that always shows up in a lot. that maybe malice in the palace, but like, right, it's like the, there's that, that idea of like the shadiness of what, what what we've all seen, or like what we hope you've all seen, or reference. Hopefully, what, what hopefully check out on YouTube after hearing this, man. At least, but right, is the idea of seeing like you know behind the scenes of all that, like the untold, like again the untold stories of the drama that really gets you onto that stage, and like I, I love it. It's like again, it's like Detroit Rock City for the bands of the what gets you to the stage, right? Not funny in that regard, but you know that's the the, the joy what gets you the whole journey. Of getting to the stage uh this really just breaks down like the, you know the dynamics behind it and the craziness of it all well said i mean this is a series that really gets into the underbelly of america in general through sport so it really appeals to everyone out there not just sports fan i think that anyone who likes true crime anyone who likes really riveting shocking documentaries you can check these out they they whip by like they're hour and 20 minutes so they're like almost this the length of like an animated movie yet they feel like they go by in 30 minutes yeah. every time i watch these so check it out can't recommend it enough and next episode we will be discussing another untold the caitlin jenner story so it'll be our last we will include jordan's take of the marty fish in a future tennis episode when we uh, have time to fit that in because he wasn't able to join that and then we'll do our final breakdowns. But we're, we're wrapping this up and I'm excited to move on. But this was a really cool docu-series. All right, Jordan, where can our uh, listeners engage with us and how could they help boost our basically SEO on these <laughs> platforms? Yeah, so if you want to engage with us, of course, hit us up on Twitter uh, slash Cinematic Underdogs. Uh, you can, of course, find us on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor. And while you're there on any of those platforms, so go ahead and like leave a review. Um, it doesn't have to be a good review. You'd be like, these dudes don't know what the hell they're talking about. That Jordan guy never understands. He missed the title of race. What, we, what is this? Who is this pigeon, right? That, that's fine. Um, just leave us a review, five star, one star, whatever star you feel is, is fair. Um, but yeah, leave us some feedback there. Um, it's all you can call it. It's good for the SEO um, and it lets us know you're actually listening. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.